live. We're live. Woo-hoo. What the hell? <laughs> How did that happen? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Hey, Double, welcome to being here. Hello, Double. Glad you're here already. That's awesome. You usually miss like the first five minutes, which is good because we're just trying to figure things out. Yep. But for every episode, we figure out five things without <laughs> fail before the next episode. We've forgotten six. Who was it? Was it Thomas Edison? And oh, speaking of, let me adjust this. Speaking, speaking of Thomas Edison, what did he just join? No, no. I had to adjust the sound okay. again. That probably sounds a little better, I would say. Wasn't it Thomas Edison said, I didn't figure out 99 ways to not invent the light bulb or to fail? How did he say it? I've heard it. It all sounds familiar, but I can't place it. But it does, when I, I was I making the light bulb, I figured out first 99 ways to not make a light bulb. Yeah, something something on the door. Yeah. yeah. So persistence. Persistence. And we've got persistence, persistence in spades. Key. So we've got like stupid, exciting news today. We've got so much stuff going on at the podcast here. Um, I am beyond excited. I hope that we have time to actually get to our topics today. <laughs> we must have a lot to cover then. We do. First of all, what are we drinking tonight, Jerry? It's not Stella Rosa, but it is good. Sweet Marcella by Huber Winery. And that Huber Winery is out of, I think, Borden, Indiana. Um, so it's almost um, local. Yes, Borden, Indiana. Yeah, very much so. Huber Borden. Road, Borden. They named it after the road, or the road was named after the See, farm that, or whatever. Isn't that beautiful? Now, we were just talking, we've each had a couple of sips of about this wine before we get. Now, Stella Rose is the, the bar for us. It is. Uh, this is also a sweet red. And I think this is a little sweeter than Stella. I would agree. And a lot deeper than Stella, personally. Richer, deeper. Yeah. yeah. It's good. It's very good. Ooh. I would put it in the same uh, the same level. I don't know. It's quite as good. I, as of right now, I would still prefer Stella Rosa. Yeah. This is up there with it. Here's the thing, though. What's that? Guess what? No idea what. We have two bottles of wine tonight. Oh, boy. (laughs) Would you like to know why we have two bottles of wine? Why do we have two bottles of wine? (laughs) She says, what are we celebrating? Is it Wednesday? (laughs) Sounds like good enough reason to me. Yes, it is Wednesday. We are celebrating. Um, We've hit an absolute, for us, the, the one milestone when we first started, we're, we're never going to hit that. We're never going to get there. Unthinkable. Unthinkable. Uh, we have had, last night, overnight some point, I looked at, last time I looked, and I, I, I'm becoming obsessed a little bit. About 11 o'clock I looked. We were still under the, the benchmark. I woke up this morning at 4.30, and we had made it. We are over 1,000 downloads. 1,000. Actually, 1,002. Hard to believe. Woo! So sometime over the night, we had four downloads because we were hovering at 998 for like half of the afternoon. Yes. And uh, so we're stoked. We are beyond stoked. Never thought this would actually happen. And going back to the wine real quick, I actually think I like this a little better. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Good wine. It's very good. It gets better the longer it sits. You know, we've talked a lot in the last several weeks. Not enough, because they deserve a ton of credit. But Double Infinity, 
and Mochi's Munchies, we, we've talked a lot about how much credit they deserve. And rightfully so. They deserve every bit of it. One we have not talked nearly enough about, and we have to now that we've hit a thousand downloads, is the primary reason for the downloads. Mr. Mike, thank you. <laughs> thank now, you for we, we flying can. to all of these places we around can. the country. This isn't Mike. I, I have to burst your bubble on this Why? one, Jay. What the, last, so? the last two weeks, if it had been Mr. Mike, they would all came from Germany. He's been on vacation. Really? Yeah. So this is all Darn. us. This is real. <laughs> That just blows my mind. It, this, so it's not Mr. Mike flying no, around the country. He's been devoted, stationary, floating down a river in Germany. He's Jeez. been on vacation for the last two weeks. Well, the only thing left to say is, what the hell? <laughs> what Absolutely. the hell is going on? Absolutely. Um, you brought up Mochi's Munchies. We're going to yes. talk about her in a second. There we are. Uh, she is an official sponsor, sponsor now. As one of the new things that we've got going on is we now have a text line for the podcast. Um, it is the official Mochi's Munchies text line. Try to say that five times fast. <laughs> but she is not only a baker, she's also a graphic designer, and she's designing some merch for us. We're going to start having merch here probably the next couple of months or so. So... Um, but why do you think, um, because we hit a thousand downloads, we had thought we'd wrestled around for a long time about um, well, what are we going to do to celebrate? What are we going to do to celebrate? Well, first it started with a great dinner uh, in Versailles. There's a restaurant called Ricardo's. They make probably one of the best hot browns in Central Kentucky. Absolutely excellent. Um, we each had one of those today. I went pick that up. We had that for dinner. Uh, we got some really great wine. We got two bottles. So our show's probably going to come off the rails at some point. <laughs> um, and we have our new text line, Mochi's Munchies uh, text line. Jerry, what's that number? The number is 540-709-1318. And we'll be giving that out long, and we'll put it on the website as well. And there's a good reason for doing that. Um. It is one of the foods on my approved list. Thank you. <laughs> they remember. They remember. I would say great restaurant. Uh, we've both eaten there a few years ago. Yep. First time yep. for me. Yep. Uh, hot brown was absolutely excellent. Uh, don't highly recommend their fries. <laughs> Didn't the first time. Still hasn't changed. I'll be honest with you. Fries is something to me that I use to gauge a lot of restaurants. Uh it's so easy. But first of all, just don't lie about it. When I ask you if you home make your fries, be honest, just tell me. No, they, they buy them in a 50-pound bag off some food truck, and they're, they're not homemade. Their hot browns are extremely good. So highly recommend that. Fries, not so much. Yeah. So, but, and I have to disagree with you just a little bit because you take your not so good fries and you drip, you drip, and the Mornay sauce, drip them in that Mornay sauce, and that's off the chain. Can't can't argue with that. Mochi's here. We were just talking about you, just talking about you. Once it was all good. You exactly. For once, it was all good. It was. We were talking about how you are sponsoring our new text line. Why is that text line important, Jerry? Because in honor of the 1,000 downloads, we plan on having a giveaway next week 
and people are going to be required to text to the number 540-709-1318. We'll give it again later. It'll also be up um, listed with the show when we publish the show live. But we're going to ask people to text us their name, city, and state. Or country. Or country. Because we're in multiple and, uh, countries again this, this month. Very, very true. Good point. And we're going to have a drawing for a giveaway. Live on the air next Wednesday. Obviously, uh, at that point, if they wish to actually receive something, we need a little more information than <laughs> in city and state to send it to. You can give us in-laws, outlaws, address, whoever. Give us some address to send it to, and we'll be happy to send it to you. So that, at least initially, is the primary reason for the uh, text number that we have got. They can also use our email for that if they're they more comfortable with the email. It's newsworthy with Steve and Jerry at gmail.com. We love getting emails there for this contest and or news, you know, story ideas, great recipes, ghost stories, whatever. Just send us an email. Jerry has made me refrain from requesting foot pics to the email. You, uh, you can send them all you want, guys. I no longer can even, <laughs> I can't check that uh, site since Steve once asked for people to send it. So send, send them all you want. Steve will now, be happy to look at them for you. That one lady that sent the foot pics who hadn't, like, done anything with her toes in, like, years, at least. Um, yeah. I, I saw how you looked at that picture, Jerry. I saw the... Don't lie to these people. Is the word lust too strong? Be honest. <laughs> Ever since you suggested it, I have not checked this email address <laughs> once. Yeah, and will not. Jerry loves feet picks. He loves feet picks and massage parlors that allow for a small towel. Small towels? <laughs> yeah. Why well, have a massage? <laughs> that defeats the purpose. <laughs> so we're doing a giveaway next week. Pretty next stoked week. about that. Um, now, we honestly can't tell you what's going to be in the giveaway box because we haven't figured it out yet. Uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be something based here in Kentucky, probably. Maybe. Maybe not. Might have some Mochi's Munchies cookies in there. Maybe. It depends on if they're... We've already ordered another two dozen. So, if we can get some of them into that box... Uh, the recipient will certainly be happy if we can make that happen. Yes. Uh, if they're really good. She's got a new flavor. It's butterscotch apple. So, oh my goodness. Um, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Double's going to send you some feet pics, Jerry. They're not of her feet, she said. But how's she going to send them? Huh? How's she going to send them? Well, she can send them. You can send those to the text line, too. <laughs> Jerry, you're going to get me like that. <laughs> um, apparently, I can no longer check that line. <laughs> Don't send feet pics to Jerry. I'm going to be living off the grid before you're done with me. <laughs> no internet, no anything. Oh man, that's great. Oh, Mochi's going to send you some, and they're going to be you're going to have to charge. They're going to charge you for cookies. No, per toe. Oh, per toe. Yeah. <laughs> Sick bunch of people. Also, since we're talking about new stuff and exciting stuff, we've got the new text line. Okay. Um, and our business has really grown, our business, our podcast has really grown, uh, and it seems to be compound. It, it's gotten to a point where it's starting to compound on itself a little bit. 
which to me is awesome. Right. Um, it's just amazing. So a couple of the other things we're doing and we're working on, hopefully, fingers crossed, by the end of the month or maybe early next month, before Christmas, we'll say before Christmas, uh, we are going to be in our brand new studio. That will be nice. It will be nice. And, and it'll have video. So you awesome. get to see that when we tell you our faces are made for radio, you'll get to see that we're not lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least me. Jerry's a sexy beast, but, you know. So I'm they pretty excited. What? I said they already knew that. Yeah, I mean, you can tell it in your voice. So I'm excited. We got a lot of new stuff coming up. It's like Christmas in the candy store, and we, we're just not even getting started. We ain't in. How was your week? It was good. I was glad that the uh, weather finally cooled down. Summer, it appears, might be almost over. And fall is rapidly approaching. Yeah. Yeah. I like fall. I like the looks of fall. And, you know, I, I like it cold in my house. But when you're on a bike and it's 60 and you're doing 55 miles an hour... That temperature starts to drop dramatically. So if you're doing 60, 65, wind chill factor, you're down into the 30s really quick. That's getting a little chilly even for me. And I will say this. You'll be proud of me, Jerry. Um, last today, no, not last night. Today when I got home, it was 51 degrees in my house because I had all the windows Man. open. <laughs> I turned on my heat for the first time just to knock the chill. Really? I did. Oh, I love that night automatic. Like tonight, double, I'm going to go home, I'm going to turn the heat off, and I'm going to open the windows back up because I like to be nice and cool when I'm asleep at night. It is 55 degrees outside at 8 o'clock. Yeah. So how was it 51 in your house after being, I, I don't know no how idea. warm it got it was today. 51. I, I should have took a picture and sent it to you. I really should have, but I didn't. Or did I? I don't think I do. No, I believe you. You're just one of those people that if the temperature gets above like 73, you turn on AC. Absolutely. 100%. It's below, apparently, in the lower 60s, upper 50s, you're going to turn on heat. Uh, I hated turning the heat on. Like, really hated turning the heat on. <laughs> mm. But it's that time of the year. It is. It won't be long until we'll all have it on. Am I looking at that, that bottle right? I don't know. Are you? We are. We're almost done with the, after you fill your glass there, we're going to be done with the first bottle and it's five minutes into the show. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Oh, no. Yep. Go ahead and finish that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see what you're doing there. I see you. I see you. what you're doing there. Oh, movie. See, Double has got it down. What? Blanket on the couch, scary movies, drinking some Baileys. That's the way to be. That's the way to be. Baileys? Baileys. Irish cream? Yeah. You don't like that? I mix it. I edit the things. I don't think I've ever drank it straight. Oh, Jerry, it's very good. And have you ever... I got homework for you. What? I need you to YouTube. I know you don't listen to podcasts, but... Maybe when we do our video podcast, you'll start listening to that because you can watch us. 
That'd be nice. But the homework is, because of Bailey, she brought up Bailey, so I got to say it. Uh, you won't understand if you don't do homework. And I want, you, I want you to Google or YouTube Old Greg. Old Greg? Old Greg. And watch the entire video. That's yeah. your homework. It's like 20 minutes long. It's a very short bit of time in your life. But then you'll understand when I say, have you ever drank Bailey's from a shoe? <laughs> Answer would be no. I don't like freaking feet, but we've covered this. Oh, somehow we skipped all that and go straight to drink it out of a shoe. What do you think of me? Make an assessment. You got to watch old Sick Greg. perverted guy. That's what I think of you. No, no. Is Bailey's not similar to uh, Kahlua. It's very similar. That's what I was thinking. And I actually like drinking it in milk. It's okay. really weird, but that's that's how rattlesnake. I like it. Uh, yeah, I guess that's what that's called. Well, that's a drink made with Kahlua, right? Mm. And milk. I prefer kind of eggnog with milk. Bailey's. That's really good. Or not eggnog, the uh, boiled custard. Gotcha. That's really good. Yeah. So, that was really... Hopefully no drinking anything out of a shoe. No, uh, I didn't. I did try a new wine on Saturday. Um was just chilling at the house. Uh, it was a Telerosa. local wine. Huh? I thought you had Telerosa Friday. Oh, that was Friday, Thursday. Then Saturday oh, had a different one. Oh. <laughs> I see. Good um, week, huh? Yeah, it was a pretty good week. Uh, uh, so, real estate's still busy for me. Um, mm-hmm. The market is shifting a little bit. Um, uh, the interest rates, as long as they keep climbing, are going to continue to stall house buying. Uh People don't think that that means a crash is coming. Please don't because you're going to miss out. There is no crash coming. There may be a small correction, but it's not going to be anything like 2008. Uh, How so big of a correction was that percentage-wise? In 2008, huge because it – Double-digit? Yes. And it, was, it wasn't a correction. It was an actual crash. And the reason was wasn't because of housing prices. The reason was in 2008 – they were doing a lot of subprime loans. They were giving a lot of people money who didn't didn't actually earn the money, if that makes sense. But if you had a three-bedroom, two-bath home in Lexington, Kentucky, how did the industry's increase in subprime loans affect the value of your home? It really didn't. What it affected, what affected that was the quality that the home was left when the banks no longer had to repossess the home from the people who couldn't afford them. They gave a lot of money out to people who couldn't afford to pay it. That's what I'm saying. I, I was under the impression that when in the real estate crash of 2008, that it meant that most home values declined substantially. But we're saying if you owned a three bedroom, two bath home in Lexington, Kentucky, and you got transferred and you had taken good care of your home and you put it on the market, you're saying that the price didn't go down from 2006 or 2007? I think it went down, but not nearly. It was the value of the dollar more than the value of the home. And the the dollar meaning the the real estate dollar. Um, But that's a whole different show. We could talk about that forever. And believe it or not, it's one of the few things that I actually agreed with the Democrats on enacting the Dodd-Frank rules to make sure that we don't give a lot of subprime loans to people who can't afford to pay them back. Government has certain things that they need to be. Sure, we're going to talk about a couple of those today. We're going to talk about one of them today, especially. There you go. Uh, But 
you know, I've been very busy with that. I'm still doing the the part time gig with the uh, the driving. That's a lot of fun, uh, and uh, I meet a lot of interesting folks. <laughs> a lot of interesting folks uh, when I when I'm on the bus and um, in a future show, Jerry. I, I want to speak on, and I think we should do a joint in depth look at what the prison system does to people okay, and the systems that in place to basically our law structure and how we, we, we do things. Um, because I, I deal with, with, with the part-time bus and I, I feel like I'm stuttering a bit. I don't mean to because I don't want to get it wrong, but we are open our buses up to many different folks elderly who need a ride to dialysis. Um, we have some routes that will take prisoners from prison to the doctor's office or to rehab um, and then take them back. We have our buses. Have are prisoners in, on there? Yeah. Really? Yeah, and they're guard. They have guards, but it, it helps the, the prison system un- reduce cost. Sure. By not operating the fleet I just thought they would have trusted that method. It's very low Nonviolent, you know, we're talking prison or jail. No, it's prison. I'll be darned. Yeah, it's prison. I thought they would have trusted that. Um, and maybe they're in prison for something that was a, a marijuana charge, you know, things like which that. I it's agree it, with to begin with me and you, either one, which is why I really want maybe you know, next week obviously is headlines week, um, but maybe the week after that, we, we deep dive into prisons and the whole. Basically, as a first world nation, we house more prisoners than anyone else in the world. It's not even close. Not even close. We're like a way, a much, um, much higher percentage of our population than anywhere. The re- the recidivism rate, I can't say that word. The Recidiv- Yeah, you're right. That's a hard word. Words are hard after a quick bottle of wine. Um, but the rates of prisoners who get out and then go right back. Yep. in America are also among the highest. And that's where the real problem is, I think. Um, we don't do enough. And, you know, if you'd ask Steve this, if you'd ask me this 20 years ago, I'd be like, ah, screw them. They're the ones that broke the law. They need to be there. I don't feel that way at all anymore. Even if you do feel that way, how much of your tax dollars do you want to spend to pay for it? Right. Because somewhere along the line, if we have a system that in almost kind of like we're talking last week about welfare that encourages people to stay on the system. If you have a prison system that encourages people to stay on the prison system and keep coming back and keep coming back, all we do is take the average taxpayer and say that they have to pay a ton of money to support these people yeah. to keep them locked so, up. I don't know if you had an idea for your two weeks from now show, but maybe we um, can, no. maybe we can dig, deep dive into the prisons and, and, and the overpopulation and the lack of actual training. And we talked last week a little bit about training and, and teaching people who needed a hand up the same thing applies for prisoners. If they can't do a skill, they went into prison probably because they didn't have any skills. (laughs) If we can't help them in prison, develop a skill. So they have something to do when they get out, they don't have a choice, but to go back. I think we also probably need to encourage, um, People to hire people who've gotten out and have a record. We tend to do the opposite and we tend to make it extremely difficult for them to get jobs, which means they will look for a job for so long 
and there comes a point when they don't have food to put on the table and they're going to go back to the lifestyle that they know that will support them. Yeah. And Dumble says that she knows she personally knew someone who was in prison and he deserved it. And I responded to her most do, but that can't be where we stop unless they're going to be there for the rest of their life. Exactly. Do they deserve a life sentence? Are they going to be on death row? We have to do something to help them not correct whatever behavior so they don't go back. So they don't come to back out into the community and represent what you just said. They get desperate and they don't have a choice and they go right back to being. Now, if that's a personality thing, if it's an abuse situation, if that's a drug situation, then they may need more help when they're out. They may need more uh, supervision than a monthly PO visit. Uh, but we'll get into that. I just wanted to bring that up because the reason I bring it up is on my bus, you know, I, I had some of those guys today that were recovering drug addicts and I really, really want to get in and deep dive into that. So anywho, <coughs> wow, that was a whole lot of talking and we ain't even started our topics yet. Shame on you, Steve. That's uh pretty normal for us. It is. It is. Basically, all of that whole first half of the show, we just wanted to say thank you to our live listeners. Today, it's Mochi and and Double. Um, It's always Mochi and Double. It's always Mochi and Double. But also to the people, here's another record that we broke this month. Are you ready? What's that? We have been downloaded this month in more states than any of the other months. Nice. Already. How many states? 18 this month. The 17 was our, our max last last month. Um, we beat it by one. We still have four days left. We may beat it by a couple. Uh, and it's some rare different states that, uh, you know, the Midwest, the Southwest. California, you're dropping off on us here. We got six downloads from California. You guys can do so much better. Uh, we'd be remiss not to mention Hurricane Ian that's happening in Florida. Yes. Uh it was supposed to be a strong two or a light three, and Ian decided uh, that it needed to uh, um, bump up and be a, a strong four when it hit landfall. And it's Fort Myers is just getting obliterated right now. So keep those guys in your prayers and gals. Um, the reason I bring up that that Florida was in my mind is because right before the storm, we had like a whole gaggle of downloads. I don't know if they were downloading something to listen to when the power went out or what. But from Florida. From Florida. They they came up to like the sixth highest downloaded state for us. So thank you to you guys whenever you are able to hear this one. Um, but we, we couldn't have done this, this growth and this opportunity that you guys give us every week. So thank you very much. Jerry, I think we're going to start with your topic tonight. Um, it's actually, we. I think we both agree it's a pretty good news. Pretty good news deal. Pretty good news deal. Yeah. Think so? I, I do. I, I certainly do. You and I tend to be pretty similar in the fact that we are both hard on both parties. Yeah. We uh, don't typically have a lot of faith in Republicans or Democrats. Um, we both tend to vote. Republican, probably more so for economic reasons than anything else. We, we believe in trying to, we, we believe that the national debt's 
the one of the biggest, if not the biggest security concerns that we have in this country. Um, but it doesn't mean that we have a lot of faith, a lot of confidence in the GOP politicians. Uh, and, and we tend to be negative on both parties. Well, this week, actually yesterday, something happened that gave me a little bit of faith, a little bit of hope. Um, yesterday, Congress did something that showed me that they have a willingness to work across party aisles occasionally. Uh, granted, very rarely, but occasionally. They have the ability to work across aisles to do something for the good of the country instead of just looking out for themselves or the party interest. <laughs> Specifically, what I'm talking about is yesterday, the uh, Rules Committee in the United States Senate voted out of committee the an overhaul of the Electoral Count Act, and it was voted on by an overwhelmingly bipartisan vote. Um, it was voted out of party committee by a 14 to 1 vote, and keep in mind about the only time you can get a margin of that nature in Congress is if they're voting to give themselves a raise <laughs> or take more money from us. There you go. <laughs> and not only did it come out of the party committee, but Mitch McConnell announced that he was endorsing it. Now, again, this was a bipartisan um, act and, and it was sponsored by a Republican um, Susan Collins and a Democrat Joe Manchin Um but when it was it was widely known to be a strongly supported by the Democrats yesterday, when it came out of committee, Mitch McConnell announced that he was endorsing it, which all but ensured that it will pass if it retains the, the, the current form that it's in. Now, first of all, as I said, it's a overhaul of the Electoral Count Act, which was passed in 1887. And it spells out the procedures for the counting of electoral votes following a presidential election. It basically says this is the way that Congress, these are the steps that Congress is going to take after a presidential election to certify and authenticate the count. And it worked fine for 130 years, roughly, 130 plus years, until the presidential election in 2020. And at that point, it became obvious that there were some things that we had taken for granted all these years that actually needed to be codified into law. And the Electoral Count Act was largely overlooked simply because power had transitioned peacefully from Republicans to Democrats to Republicans. And there had never really been a serious objection. No one had ever tried to overturn the will of the people, the votes, and change the election. Wait, I'm waiting to see if you say it. No, I didn't, I'm saying okay. until 2020, no one, <laughs> this gone. I was waiting to see if you say it. I did. I'd already had said that. You missed it earlier. Oh, you said the name? No, no, no. I'm not saying the name. <laughs> we shall not conjure up <laughs> you the think name of whom we shall not speak. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Mitch McConnell did have this to say yesterday during the Rules Administration Committee meeting. He said, and I quote, Clearly, when a 150-year-old law that has successfully brought a certainty, finality, and one orderly presidential inauguration after another, we need to be delicate and careful with any changes. But the chaos that came to a head on January the 6th of last year strongly suggests that we find careful ways to clarify and streamline the process. So, 
a bipartisan group of the Senate Rules Committee that, as I said, that this bill was authored by Susan Collins, a Republican from Maine, Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, came up with an overhaul that was voted out of committee by a 14 to 1 vote. The only abstaining vote was Ted Cruz. Um, and about, again, as we mentioned, you almost never in Congress get a 14 to 1 vote. That says a lot. Now, again, being bipartisan is a good start. Having a 14 to 1 vote is an even better start. But is it a good bill? Do you, before you get into the bill, do sure. you think that Ted Cruz wanted to, to vote against this bill? I, I read his dissent and why he didn't vote for it. But do you think that that was because he's about to run for president and he wanted to be able to say, I have been the only guy to vote against something that I didn't feel was good for people? No. Fred Tom, do you remember Fred Thompson? Out of Tennessee? Out of Tennessee. No. Remember. Whatever. Fred Thompson Former actor, yes. was the first presidential candidate that I ever always donated. He's the first one I ever donated money to. I believed in him that much. Third eye. And, and on several occasions, he was that one dissent. He was that one vote that stood alone, especially when it came to raising taxes or spending money. And when it came to the campaign trail, he wasn't shy about letting people know that either. So... I, would, I just wonder if part of the reason Ted Cruz uh, voted against this bill, because we've read it. it. It seems to be a very solid, and you're going to get the details here in just a second, but it seems like this was just a linchpin for him to say, hey, I was the one guy. I don't think so. You don't and, think so? and I'm getting into it a little bit. I don't want to jump start. I haven't even got into the bill, and there's going to come a point in the bill when I will further explain exactly why. I don't think that's why Ted Cruz was doing it. To be frankly honest with you, I don't know why he was doing it unless he was simply to play off your topic a little bit. I think he was playing politics. I think he was doing what he thinks that a certain segment of the population wants to hear, Uh, and I truly believe that. We'll get into that more in just a second. Um, Again, as we were saying, bipartisan is a good start. 14 to 1 vote out of committee is certainly a hell of a good start. Doesn't mean necessarily that that makes it a good bill. So let's take a look at it and see what we think. The bill basically is going to change three things. Number one, it will spell out the rule, or excuse me, the role of the vice president who presides over the counting of electoral votes as the president of the Senate, and it codifies the fact that he has a strictly ceremonial job. And that's basically what the Constitution says. All 50 states have to certify their vote. They have to send it to Congress. His role is to open the envelope. He doesn't read it. He doesn't certify it. He opens the envelope and he hands it to one of two people. The Republicans pick a, I think they call it a steward. Democrats pick one. And he takes turn. He alternates between, he opens an envelope. He hands it to steward number one. He opens the next one, hands it to steward number two. They in turn read it and say this number of electoral votes are going for such and such candidate. So his role has always been for the last 130 years, and as said by the Constitution, has been ceremonial. But it wasn't strictly limited to that. And due to that in 2020, as the man that we shall not name tried to do by convincing Mike Pence to uh, object to some of the state's votes. This law would prohibit that and say that the vice president's role is strictly ceremonial. Um, This change means that all that we would do is 
would be to continue operating as we have for over the last 130 years until 2020. Number two, it also bars legislatures from appointing their own electors that would go against how their state voted. Meaning, in the state of Kentucky, in 2024, if we vote for, uh, oh, I don't know, LeBron James for president. No. It simply says that the state legislature cannot certify and send to Washington a vote for someone else. That the state has to go with whoever is the the popular elected the the popular elected vote says. That's all it does. The reason that comes into play is because that several states, actually seven, were urged to do this in the 2020 election. Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin were urged to submit a state of electors that was different from what the public had voted for. To me, the only people that could be against this are people who do not agree with the rule of democracy, people who would wish to have a dictator instead. Now, now that I've covered number two of the three reasons, I'm going to get back to your Ted Cruz and why that he dissented and voted against. Ted Cruz had three reasons for saying that he was going to vote against it. Number one, we'll get to this in a minute. Maybe I should have waited. But anyway, number one, he says that it would diminish Congress's authority to root out voter fraud. Number two, and most importantly, he said that it would intrude on the constitutional authority of states to cast their electors as they see fit. So apparently Ted Cruz thinks that it is perfectly okay for a state to submit a list of electors different from what the citizens voted for. Now, does that sound to you like he voted for it or voted against it so he could simply say, I'm the only one that did this? No, probably not. Now that you bring that up, no. I don't think so. This was his primary reason, as he says, that it would diminish the Congress's authority, or I'm sorry, that it would intrude on the constitutional authority of states to cast their electors as they see fit. I don't think that in any in any scenario did Congress envision states submitting a list of electors different from what the people voted for. In that case, you, you don't have a democracy. Right. You can't even try to call it anything close to a democracy. So, no, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm not even for sure why he was doing it. Um, again, this... Well, maybe it just comes down to the whole, the whole thought process. Any headline is a good headline. He got his name in the news. Anyway. As long as your name is mentioned, right? Yeah. The third thing that the overhaul of the Electoral College Account Act does is to change the number of lawmakers that are required to force the House and Senate to vote to overturn a state-certified result. The way that it currently works is it only requires one senator and one House of Representatives to object. At that point, here's what happens. First of all, when they gather on January the 6th at 1 p.m., as is stated in the Constitution, to count the votes and to certify the next president, (coughs) they have a joint session of Congress. The Senate, the House, they meet in the House. It's a lot of people. Only one large enough. 535 members just of the House and the Senate. They meet to have the vote. Well, as it currently stands, if two people, one senator and one member of the House, 
objects, they can force a vote. And what happens then, let's say that they're all the way to Kentucky and they're on Kentucky's vote. They're up to the case. They are required to do it alphabetically, by the way. They start with, what's the first one? Arizona? No, Alaska and Alabama. ALA, Alaska would be in Alabama. Alaska, Alabama. They're required to do it alphabetically. Let's say they're all the way up to Kentucky and two people object, one senator and one representative. At that point, they have to break. They have to go back to their respective houses and have a vote. And if either one confirms, then the original state certified results are confirmed, and that is the standing. If both uh, object, then they have a problem and they have to send it back to the state and they can't accept that state's version. But here's the point. As it currently stands, all it takes is two people to gum up the whole works, two people to stop the process. And if let's say that they come back and at that point, two people vote, two people object, they have a vote. They come back and they move on to Louisiana. Two people again object. Well, they again have to stop the whole process. They have to go back to the respective chambers and have another vote. It's not changing anything. All it's doing is going up the works. It's taking much, much longer sure, to do sure. what would have normally been intended. What this overhaul does is to require a 20% group of both houses, the Senate and the House of Representatives, to object for there to be a vote. And if you can't get 20% to object, how in the world would a vote do you any good? you're going to have to have over 50% for the vote to be successful. So if you can't get 20% to object, why is there even going to be a vote? Again, the second or the, the first thing that Ted Cruz said was that it makes it harder. It would diminish Congress authority to root out voter fraud. Well, yeah, it makes it a little bit tougher to have a vote. Instead of only two people, it requires 20%. Again, it doesn't matter if you have a vote or not. If you don't have 50% to agree to the vote, then the vote won't be successful. All this is saying you got to have at least 20% or why waste our time having a vote? Right. And I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I don't either. I mean, twenty. if you can't convince 20% of 535 to, to say, hey, we, we, we need to talk about this. There's potentially a problem. There's probably not a problem. There's probably not a problem. That's probably partisan politics. And even if there was a problem, if you can't get 20% to say that there was, why have a vote? It won't do any good. But those are the three things, and the only three things that this overhaul is going to do. Um, it will strengthen um, election integrity. On Tuesday, Mitch McConnell said, the resulting product, this bill, as introduced, is the only chance to get an outcome and to actually make it law. It keeps what's worked well and modestly updates what is not. I totally and absolutely agree. I think it is an excellent idea. Again, it reaffirmed my hope that Congress, that there is a hope for Congress to do good things when they can both vote across party lines and say this is needed to make sure that we don't have future calamities as occurred in 2020 and to make sure that no one thinks that they uh, can change the constitution. Yes. The one, the one thing I want to bring up, sure. you're talking about um, it brings up some hope and we'd like for it to bring up some hope. 
that things can actually get done. Um, of the in just 2022, the bipartisan bills that have gotten passed are very few. Sure. Um, one of them is basically amendment to another law, which is basically uh, the National Labor Relations Act, which does such little stuff. It's all wording and legal mumbo jumbo that most people didn't probably even read it. They just voted it because, hey, we can get something accomplished. And the other thing was the Infrastructure Act. Jerry, that is strong stuff. That's what I'm thinking. 12.5% alcohol. (laughs) I'm thinking it's strong. I'm thinking we've killed one bottle and I'm feeling... I don't think we should open the other one. My face is really, really... Yeah. I don't think we should open the other one either. Hey, but you know what? What? You know, not only will drinking, but smoking will kill you. Sure. Is what they say. Bacon also kills you. But if you smoke bacon, it cures you. <laughs> Go figure that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sorry. But, yeah, I, I think this is a good positive step. Now, I do too. here's the thing, and I don't want to cut into your time, but. On through. Oh, I, I, just, I just, what more can we expect that Washington is going to do in this election cycle? We're already full on in the midterms. And given my topic here in just a few minutes, we know how that's going. Um, we have a president that even the based on the Australian news press um, is incoherent at best, oblivious at worst, um, based on his own statements. Um, I don't see that there's going to be a whole lot left for Mitch McConnell to do. For Nancy Pelosi to do, I heard, and I and we we work really hard here not to be partisan, um, because we're not partisan. We 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 tend to vote and like the people we feel will do their country the best. I heard Nancy Pelosi on an interview yesterday, day before yesterday, and I'm literally I, I'm not a violent person. I'm not. I don't lose my temper a lot. I just don't. I, there's no value in. I literally wanted to throw my remote at the TV. If she said one more cliche about the future, not about the past. And the reporter, she was being interviewed by MSNBC. MSNBC. So the reporter was just letting her ramble in circles and circles and circles about how wonderful they're doing. I was just beside myself with anger. Because with anger, yes. Why anger? Because it, frustration. Mean, it, okay, but here's my point: anger born Is out of frustration. Not what you hear from most politicians? Yes, and we're going to get to that too, based on our personal experience with a personal politician that we both really used to like, right here in Kentucky, a lot. And I'm going to even go as far as to challenge them or their handlers or someone who represents them to come on our podcast and do a little explanation because we are citizens here. We are voting citizens. And, and, you know, all of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about on our, on on my stuff, we're going to challenge those people to come in and and say it, bring it, explain yourself. Why is this the best way to do it? Absolutely. Um, But, she would, I just, it was anger out of frustration. 
just because she was completely oblivious to everyone outside of her circle, even her own Californians. You know what I mean? And, and, And that's just, if you can't represent at least your state in a capacity that makes your state look good, then you probably are in the wrong business. As an example, did you see the statement by the New York gov- the New York mayor? No. Concerning. <sighs> okay. So the New York mayor who replaces de Blasio, who set the bar really low, has just lowered the bar again. Okay. He said he decided they were going to go down to one of the Caribbean islands to do some recovery work. He had his shirt on, mayor, New York City, blah, blah, blah. And he was having a formal press conference in New York City yesterday with him and his gang. He had several dudes, yes men, whatever, around him and proceeded to excoriate Kansas, of all places, and compare Kansas to New York City because New York City, and I quote, has a brand, but Kansas doesn't. Good news is that the representative from Kansas let him have it and let him know that, you know, if New York City has a brand compared to Kansas's brand, it is high crime, homelessness, and the inability of its citizens to go back to work and pay rent at the same time. <laughs> well, I mean, that's typical politicians, both of them. Who's the representative of Kansas? Oh, I don't remember his name. If you'd asked me before we drank that wine, you know, I probably could answer. What office did he hold? Um, he was a senator, Kansas senator. Okay, mm-hmm. it just sounds like politicians. Talking, from he the was, no, but here's the here's the difference. Here's the difference. He didn't have to make New York sound bad. He was bringing up, but he did. He did. Here's the difference. New York doesn't. The, the mayor of New York didn't give a bunch of positives. He just said they had a brand. At least when the representative was defending Kansas, he said, hey, we've got the Jayhawks. We grow all your food. <laughs> we have some of the biggest sunflower fields in the world. And listed off a whole Kansas slew of the biggest sunflower fields? Oh, yeah. I had no clue. That's a cover crop. Okay. It's a cover crop that actually generates a huge amount of money for them. You know, but in fact, if you've never driven through Kansas in say June, July, never been in the state. Oh, really? Never. June, July, usually ju- late June through August is when the sunflowers are at their biggest. Really? I thought Kansas. Oh was my more gosh, a, a grain. Oh my state. gosh, it is. But you can't grow it. We've talked before. June, July. If you're growing grain, you're going to have corn. Right. Right. But you have to rest your fields because if you okay. don't, it's it's crop rotation. So if you go through these fields and they happen to be beside the interstate for hundreds of miles, because all you get in Kansas are these just... Fields are huge. Yeah, and it's all these beautiful sunflowers. It's just gorgeous. Anyway, I don't even know where I was going with that. I don't either. Thank you. My my question that brought it on (laughs) was, how is it not just typical politicians on both ends? You had a mayor from New York City that was trying to extol the virtues of New York City and slamming Kansas in the process. And you had a Kansas representative that responded by extolling the virtues of Kansas and slamming New York City. So to me, it's just typical politicians. Right, right. I get that. I get that. But um, 
I, I just I don't understand why we have to be that way. I totally agree. You know, I, who does it help? Here, I think, is why we often do it. We often look around and think, I need to move up. I, I'm at this level, and I wish to be at a higher level. Unfortunately, too many people think the best way for me to do that is instead of trying to elevate one person, me, to a higher level. They look around and think, if I can bring everyone else down, that makes me look higher than them. So they believe that it is easier to work on everyone else than one person. Here's, Here's my counter to that. And believe it or not, it came from a meme. And it was probably one of the most meaningful memes I've seen, if you will. Um, It says, it takes six people to hold you up when you're dead, as Paul Bearers. Right. Imagine how strong you could be if you had those same six people holding you up when you're alive. Very true. You know, we as a society, and this is an American problem. This isn't a world problem, what you're talking about. In the world, in Japan, how many different houses have multiple generations of family who are all holding in India the same way? Um, one of my good clients is Indian, and we had a long talk about how Indians work and how they function within themselves in America because a lot of people, Russians, Indians, um, Mexicans, when they come here, they still remain in their their circles, even though they integrate. But they do so in a way that helps to elevate the Ukrainian church beside the church I go to. Right. Same example. All of those guys work to help everybody in their community. First. That's, that's what we all need. used to work in yeah. probably every society every, in the world. At least in every small town in the world. In the United States, even. We've gotten away from that. We certainly usually. have couple things I want to touch on before I get into my topic today, sure. if you don't care. All means go ahead. Uh, last week before last, we talked about Ukraine and how Americans didn't have the stomach for a big fight in Ukraine. For a long fight. For a long fight. Big fight, yes. Long fight, no. Business Insider poll came out yesterday. Okay. Americans are already tired of supporting Ukraine, and we're not even there, <laughs> other than, you know, the 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 boots on the ground that are advising or giving uh, security or giving uh, information and and data coordination. Which was going along hand in hand with everything that we read a few weeks ago. Yeah. Putin actually said that they did not believe that anything had changed. They just thought it would take way longer. Uh, He said United States and every other country that is helping support Ukraine will get tired. They will grow tired of hearing the news. They'll grow, they'll grow tired of having to pay money. They will get tired of having to deal with this. And at that point, they will begin to pressure their representatives, their political representatives, to end the support. And he's probably totally right. We said so at the time. Yep. Ukraine was being held up and was only able to be successful because of the international support that it was getting. When that support goes away... Russia will win. Russia will win. Um, the other report that I wanted to bring closer, because we've kind of been skirting around the edges of this a little bit, and I feel like every week we see another story that's making it seem like we're getting closer and closer to the 
the uh, tinder catching fire of World War III. Um, yeah. I, I think that when you look at the grand scope of everything that's going on in the world, I think that we have to be very diligent. And we have to have the right type of leadership coming out of Washington. When has that ever been the case? It's not. I heard in a long time. In a long it time. occasionally, but very rarely. And I think that with the buffoonery we have going on out there now, um, that we, we, we're kind of in a bad spot. You know, when the president comes out and openly on multiple occasions and says, we will absolutely militarily support Taiwan, and then the White House, within hours, White walks that right back, that's not a very strong message for the people of no. Taiwan. <laughs> and it's a very strong message to Taiwan's enemies. Well, first of all, after the White House walked back the statement, you're right, it's not a very strong statement. The original one was, we will militarily support Taiwan. Is a First of all, that would be the first time in, what, 60, 70, 80 years that the United States at the executive level has said, we will militarily support Taiwan. Maybe ever. Maybe ever. Yeah. We have never... To, to my knowledge, come out from the the White House and said we will militarily support Taiwan against China, yeah. who's their only enemy. That's right. the only people that's threatening to take them over. So and, once White House walks it back, all they're doing is falling in line with what we've been saying for the last 50, 60 years. It, it kind of goes hand in hand with like we've always talked about. If you're going to do something on a military level, the, 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 the world doesn't need to know till after it's done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If that's your intent, if that's your intent that you're going to support Taiwan, okay, let's so keep what, that close to the vest. You don't announce it until after you've dropped the nuclear bomb? Is that what you're saying? Well, I would so, hope we would go nuclear, but I'm glad you brought nuclear up. But my point is this. If you don't announce it ahead of time, there is no deterrent. Right. The reason you do announce it is hopefully that that itself is the deterrent. I don't think in that particular, in that one scenario, that that's that much of a deterrent. In which case, go because, ahead and the nuclear bomb. Because we're 4,000 miles away and literally China is 30 miles away. My point is, if you think there is no deterrent. I don't think that and you do think that we want to first, use deterrent. I, I, first of all, in doing a little bit of research, our nuclear deterrent is very, <coughs> very weak at best. Only because, no, 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 here's why. Even though we have hundreds of thousands, you know, thousands of nuclear weapons. Stronger than any other country. In any the other country. A recent report to, I think it was Popular Mechanics. I didn't write it down. I apologize. Oh, yeah, that's who I get my no, no, news from. Uh, that just simply says that our missiles and our missile capabilities on our nuclear, that's not a fleet, but on our well, nuclear. We have uh, a triad. Weapon. The air. The sea. Right. I'm actually talking about the missiles the are very glitchy at this point and are very old. They haven't been upgraded. And at what the, the whole article that I was reading was at what point and what cost is it worth upgrading the delivery systems for our nukes? First of all, that was extremely guessing. That's all it was, was a big oh, guess. Sure. Because it's not like we allow popular mechanics <laughs> or anyone else, anyone else to go look at our, nukes. our nuclear oh, bunkers I agree. I agree. are onto anyway. our submarines. No one friggin' knows if they're okay. updated or not. Hopefully. So, so I was going to bring up Amy Klobuchar, but I'm not even sure that's really <laughs> worth it. She's, 
I used to have a little bit, at least a modicum of respect for her. I still do a little bit. Um, but she's a politician. She literally said yesterday that voting, she suggested that voting Democrat would get rid of the. No. Uh, she said it was the best resource or the best recourse <laughs> against uh, hurricanes. Now, <laughs> what is the context? To be fair, what is the context in which she said this? Uh, a context is of something that we need to have a debate. We need to have a show about What's at some point in the future. Global warming. And it was simply saying, to, to be honest, she was saying, look, if what global warming scientists have said for many years is true, that if global warming causes um the far left and the far rights, the extremes to happen, the best prevention is to vote for the people who are trying to do something about it. Now, <laughs> with that being said, was it a stupid statement? Yes. Did she say it extremely clumsily? Did, did, did she come across? Did she, in one statement, pretty much in any political chance she has, it ever become a president? Well, yes. No. Yes. That happened, I think, in 2020 when she ran for office and got what? Two, three percent of the vote. Yeah, but you know, quickly dropped out. We think. we absolutely well. She got more votes than Kamala Harris, and Kamala is the vice president. Just so, saying. <laughs> I agree, but, I mean, okay, real quick. Yes. Let me let me cover. We're we're already over an hour, so let me just cover this. I want to challenge. With only one bottle of wine. Yeah, well, there's no more bottles of wine. No. That stuff is strong. It's delicious and strong, and wow, it is a very good. And you oh, know what? Sweet red. They actually might sponsor our program. They're local. There you go. <laughs> we don't have to go across the pond, if you will. To right. Talk so, to these guys. anywho, I got in my mailbox this week as as a run up to the fall elections. I got two very different pieces of mail, and I want to hear about very different or, yet very similar. Very different yet very similar. I want to at this time. I want to ch- challenge. Uh, uh, Jeff Young, who is a Democrat, who is trying to unseat uh, Andy Barr in the election uh, for our state sen- or state Congress or federal con- or congressman of the United States Congressman. Thank you, Jerry. Um, he sent out the most partisan disgusting, gross flyer. And if we if we had video this week, you'd see it. It's just stupid. You can take a picture and put it on. Yeah, we can probably do that. Um, and then that same congressman, uh, Andy Barr, is also being challenged by Charles Booker. Charles Booker sent out one as well, or they sent out one against Charles Booker, calling him a radical socialist. And just uh, both of these are so negative. Very negative. That they are what convinced me to do my topic today, even though we're going to run out of time. And that's okay because we had a lot to get to this at the very beginning of the program. I just want to read you Jeff Young's. And Young is spelled with a peace sign for the O, just so you know. Very nice. Yeah, very nice. Very, very good, good <laughs> skills there, Jeff. Very um, original. He demands, I'm going to read this verbatim so that you guys know what I'm talking about. Jeff Young, Democrat, demands impeach the six crooked, women-hating Supreme Court justices 
who overturned Roe v. Wade. The Dobbs decision of June 2022 was made by six six Republican partisan hacks who overturned the excellent Roe v. Wade decision of 1973. I just want to throw it out there that in 1973, there was non-justices, seven of them, eight of them were old white dudes. (laughs) So um, the dissent written by three honest judges was legally sound and well-reasoned. The six crooked justices said that the state votes to outlaw all abortions with no exceptions does not discriminate against women, and that is obviously false. The majority opinion was an example of raw political power. The women-hating Republicans in Washington and Frankfurt will now make try to make all abortions illegal in all 50 states, and women could become second-class citizens again. Any woman who's had a miscarriage, could be suspect and arrested for first-degree murder just like in El Salvador today. Are you kidding me? Please go to my website, youngforkentucky.com, and help me beat Andy Barr, go to Congress, and impeach the six crooked Supreme Court justices who overturned Roe v. Wade. We should just keep the three honest judges. Are you absolutely freaking kidding me? Well, I think it's stupid. Um, It's idiotic. He's not running against Supreme Court justices. He's running against Andy Barr. Andy Barr didn't appoint any of these Supreme Court justices. Andy Barr, in my opinion, had zero influence on whom Donald Trump picked for his picks. (coughs) If you're running against Andy Barr... Run against Andy Barr. Right. I don't agree with negative ads. Or Mr. Young. Negative ads work, so run them against Andy Barr, not against those guys. We'll give you the full hour, Mr. Young, to come in, answer questions, tell us what your vision is for the state of Kentucky and how, as a senator in Washington, you can make that better. And we'll give you the opportunity to answer real questions from real people who really don't give a hot crap excuse me, about what letters besides your name, we only care about what's best for the people of Kentucky and more importantly, the people of the United States. You come on in here and you can talk to us and we would love to have you as a guest. And I'm going to tweet this and I'm going to tweet it to Jeff Young's political campaign every single day till we get a yes or a no, just so you know. We won't hear. We won't hear from them. Have you ever heard of Samuel Chase? I uh, have heard the name. I think so. Probably not the one I'm referring to. And the reason is this. While you were reading that ad, I did a, a search to find out when was the last time that we impeached a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> it turns out that the last Supreme Court justice impeached was Samuel Chase. And it happened. The reason I'm pretty sure you haven't heard of this guy, it happened in 1804. Oh, Jerry, 118 like years ago. Wasn't that like your best buddy? Didn't y'all go to college together or something? Charged. No, no, no. <laughs> that was my grandson went to college with him. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. I, I understand. I'm, I'm that old. In 1804, the, the associate justice was charged with arbitrary and oppressive conduct of trials, and he was impeached for that. So the last time that we impeached one, Supreme Court Justice was 1804. And this guy thinks that his best way of 
getting elected to office is threatening to impeach six Supreme Court justices. Yeah, just crazy. And, and what is that yeah. ultimately? I mean, I don't know who he's trying to reach for in the state. Okay, if you live in California, if you live in New York, if you live in Illinois or Minnesota. Um, there are several states where overturning Roe versus Wade will probably, to some extent or another, help Democrats, especially in states that have turned around and enacted extremely uh, archaic abortion laws. Several states have enacted laws that says women can't have an abortion past six weeks. In any case, rape, incest, no matter what. And neither of us agree with those. And in many cases, women don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks. I think that that's silly. Uh, I think it's unnecessary, and I think it rightfully so will hurt Republicans. That's not what this is about. So this guy's wanting to impeach six Supreme Court justices. The next one I want to cover is against Charles Booker, and I misspoke a minute ago. Charles Booker is not running against Andy Barr. Apparently, Jeff Young is. Okay. Uh, Charles Booker is running against one of the guys I actually look up to, which is Rand Paul. Okay. Um, and, and that doesn't excuse Rand Paul at all. But this does come from the Kentucky Freedom Pack. It's not Rand Paul, um, but money from Rand Paul's candidacy probably. Funnels into this packet. I'm sure Rand Paul was given the option to decline this ad and did not do so. And did not do so. So even somebody that we respect, we're calling you out, Rand Paul. You're welcome to, same deal as Mr. Young. You're welcome to come in here. We'll give you the whole hour. We'll talk to you as, as as people you represent. We don't think his ad is nearly as stupid. It's not. Still, we're asking you to defend why such a negative ad. Right. And and this one is, it's a huge, big, find the truth, socialistbooker.com. Radical socialist Charles Booker. Charles Booker supports a failed ideology that will ruin Kentucky and America. He supports the job-killing New Deal. I happen to agree with him. Uh, he likes to coddle criminals. I don't know what coddling means. In this particular instance, I don't want to hug criminals. I want to fix them. Open borders, absolutely not. Runaway inflation, you got to have. You got if you're a Democrat, you got to put your hands around that because you you caused that. Special interest bailouts and government run health care. Can I can I put in something there? Sure. You touched on inflation. Inflation's getting out of control. Way out of control. But that's just my five cents. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I was wondering when you was going to get your dad joke in there. I got mine in there, and I actually made you laugh. It was my face. It was my face. So, basically, anyone from the Kentucky Freedom Pack, you guys are welcome to come in and use our podcast, and we would love to have a conversation with you. If you're a politician running for anything in the state of Kentucky, especially for something on a federal level, we definitely want to talk to you. Um, you know what we'd definitely like to see, even if you don't talk to us, is that as a politician who believes that they can run an election campaign without resorting to negative advertising. Oh, Tell us what you're for. Tell us what you're going to do. Tell us what you hope to accomplish. Tell us how you're going to do it. But while the negative ads... Yeah. If you're so convinced that you're the man for the job or the woman woman, for the job for the job, why is that? Not because of what they haven't or have or haven't done, 
But what you can do to implement the things that are really important to people in the United States. See, as long as, and it's my personal belief, speaking from personality, from my personal side here, as long as we keep electing the same people, they're going to keep doing the same job. Andy Barr is a great example of this. Jerry, you and I met Andy Barr a few years ago. Eight years ago, probably. probably. Something like that. Uh, we shook his hand. It was his initial run for state senate. Or for uh, local festival when he was first running. Local festival, we should. He took the time. He sit there and he talked with us. Good five minutes. Probably. I mean, yeah. you know, in a in a big festival, he's allowed to shake a lot of hands, but to take a little bit of time and actually address a few things and speak like a a, a, a normal, normal human, human being, being um, to this person, Andy, and again. I would love to have you come in on the podcast, call in, if, you know, whatever. Um, because as someone who met you before and now sees what you've become, we're not happy. We're not. We're not very happy with who you are. Coming from two people who really liked you back then and yeah. voted for you in the interim. Yeah, absolutely, and really don't like how you speak. Now, you, I told Jerry earlier, and I and I mean this, and and. I'm not, please don't take a personal front or do because it's the truth. You speak like a, a male version of Nancy Pelosi. A polished politician. A polished politician who just speaks in circles until you think you've talked enough to make the person asking the question is confused enough they don't care about the answer. We're tired of it. We're done with it. We'd really like to have you back, Andy, and, and have you back representing the people of Kentucky as opposed to representing Andy Barr. Just my two, my five cents worth. There you go. <laughs> so, um, oh, Double's also met Andy. Nice. I hope that you met pre-Andy when he was actually, he actually gave a hoot about us and not just about getting reelected. Um, Seemed like a very legit person. He did. Not, not fake, not artificial, not someone trying to figure out what you wanted to hear. Right. But someone who was like, okay, hey, here, here's my Which, thoughts on the subject. You know, we have two other, a senator and a congressman that I feel that way right now about. I feel like Rand Paul. And oh, really? Speaker. I still thought you was going to say Mitch McConnell. Really? I'm joking. We both feel the same. He occasionally, like yesterday, does something we like. That makes us scratch your head and say, what, what, who put a gun to your head and made you do something overall, civil? I mean, when you... Talk about polished politicians. He's got to be up at the top of that list for McConnell, yeah. but not Rand Paul. Yes, yeah, no. Rand Paul. I feel God like it normally says what he thinks. He says what he thinks. Another one that a lot of people he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Thomas Massey. Thomas Massey. But if Thomas Massey says it today, I feel like if you see him it. tomorrow in personal, he's going to sit there over a beer and tell you the exact same thing. He only he only needs I, it. He lives it. Yeah. I'd, on both sides. Yeah. Even if it's the other side, we've talked there, you know, Bernie Sanders, you know, we think that he's one that, that, uh, believes what he says. Yeah. And I can, Crazy respect, as it may that. Be. I can yeah. respect that. I agree. Totally. Guys, uh, Jerry, what's our Mochi's Munchies text line? Five four zero seven zero nine thirteen eighteen. To get in on the giveaway next week, name, city and state or country. That's all we need now. We don't need your any information. We'll get that when we draw the winner. We'll get that from the winner at the time. And that's between now and next Now Wednesday and next afternoon. Wednesday. Wednesday when we start the podcast at 730 
That's the cutoff. So you can also send your 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 uh, uh, info info to uh, newsworthy newsworthy at, with Stephen Jerry at gmail dot com. We we are so happy. We are so excited. Um, we feel like we've got so many good things coming. We've got the video coming. We've got the studio coming. Um, and we have done all of that because of you guys. So wherever you're at in the country or the world, we have people in Britain and Canada and Russia. Um, we want to hear from you. Please put your name in. We want to send you a great, uh, great gift box that may or may not have some Mochi's Munchies cookies. <laughs> Depends on how good they are. <laughs> they might end up in the uh, in, in Steve and Jerry's gullet. But, we uh, promise no matter how good they are to try to save some. Yeah, we'll send you some for sure. Um, so, no feet pics. Please. Please. <laughs> Guys, we love you all. We appreciate you all so much. Thank you so much. Jerry? Until next time. Till next time. We'll see you.